after every practice at the end of the day, all you can see on social media is how Anthony Richardson balled out today at practice. So, I mean, I would not be surprised week one, Anthony Richardson starting for the Colts and going into that, going to avoid that pocket passer into the running quarterback. I mean, that's where the league's going. I mean, you see how successful it is in Philly. You see how successful it is in Baltimore. I mean, running quarterbacks is the future. Pocket quarterbacks are slowly, slowly coming out. Unless, unless you're fucking Big Dick Joe. All about the balls podcast. With Mark Davis, Chris Kameinhart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome to this August 7th edition of All About the Balls podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis. In the sack house, excited because it is finally preseason football. All 32 teams will have a preseason game this week. Man, oh man. But what's more important than that is I'm joined alongside my two co-hosts, Chris Kameinhart, Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Doc, how are you doing coming off the weekend, heading into preseason week one football? I cannot even begin to express my excitement that football is back, both NFL, college is coming back. MLB, as you know, has been such a disappointment for me this year. Uh, at least I got Connor Bedard to look forward to. And hockey with the number one overall pick. But, uh, no, just uh, fa- football's coming back. Fantasy's coming back. Man, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yes, Doc. Your Chicago Bears will be the 1 o'clock NFL Network game this Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. So the whole world will be watching Chris, how are you doing? Same thing. How are you doing coming into this week one preseason slate? I'm doing great, Mark. I mean, that Hall of Fame game kind of itched my brain a little bit with football. It's getting me in the mood, you know, a little foreplay action for the balls. Mm. So, I mean, a little little, just a little tickle, you know. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. You're one of the six million plus viewers that had that same tickle, man. We like it. We like that. Football is back. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. I'm excited. Um, with that, this whole episode is going to be pretty much football. We're going to have mostly NFL. If we have time, we're going to revisit the NCAA uh, madness just because the preseason coach poll came out, which they're not the official rankings. You just have the AP rankings, which will be the official, but they kind of usually go hand to hand. They're around the same. So kind of a good idea where some of these teams are going to rank around. But Chris, start with your team, man. The New Orleans Saints. Kareem Hunt has been – he visited the, the – New Orleans Saints tonight. Yeah, visit the New Orleans Saints this evening, Monday, August 7th. So how are you? I know you texted me earlier. You're kind of upset because of the fantasy purpose. But how are you doing as a Saints fan if this actually does occur and happen? I mean, I was I was a little shocked when I saw the news this morning that he was coming to visit tomorrow. I think he flies in tonight, probably wine and dine him, get him on the field tomorrow. But, I mean, it it's just a position where – we don't really need – I mean, we had Eno Benjamin. He tore his Achilles this past week. So we're down a, we're down a runner. But I don't think – Hunt's just not really a good fit, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. Him and AK lined up next to each other would be outstanding. But I, it's just something – we have bigger needs. I mean, we have that – we have Anthony Barr coming out. I give him – give him the money. I mean, we only have $10 million in cap. I mean, there's some good edge rushers still out there, some veterans – I mean, I was looking at Trey Flowers, get him out there. I mean, Clowney's still available. There's a lot. There's some good edge rushers out there that the Saints need. I think Hunt 
Hunt's just not it. I would love it. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, fantasy purposes, like you said, Mark, I mean, that running back room would be a fucking disaster for fantasy. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I, I think it would be electric if he can get back to his old self. But, like you said, there's so many miles to feed there. You already have – I mean, AK's only gone three games. That's not, like, a lot. You do have Miller, the rookie from TC. We'll see how his injury is going to impact him to start the season. And then you do have Jamal Williams, who started off hot last year, and then he became just mainly a touchdown machine the second half of the season. So – if you can use them correctly, you have a, maybe a dual running back system out there, but you're eventually going to hurt. Someone's going to be hurt in the backfield. It's going to be Miller probably, unfortunately. So you're going to lay his progress. And then I, I just don't know. I mean, like you said, there's so many mouths to feed, and you guys have more needs. The defense seems a little shaky at the moment, but I still think your defense will be pretty good no matter what you do. But Anthony Barr is, a, I think, a good visit. I think he's a good depth piece, similar to what the Eagles did with their linebackers they signed. They signed some depth guys that used to be decent for you know a couple years ago, but – as Anthony Barr would be there, I think, as a depth guy, I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree. And then the question, I mean, we don't have much money to give guys. So, like, is Hunt looking for that big paycheck? Is he just looking for a prove it? So, I mean, that's also a big question. And does he really want to come to a team where he's not going to be the number one mouth to feed? Because he, he won't be. It'll, be. it'll be AK, and then it'll be Jamal in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's okay with not being the number one. I mean, we saw him do it with Nick Chubb for a few years, and they, I think, I forgot what year it was, but they're both top 10 fantasy running backs. I mean, they both killed it that year. I, I think he knows his role at the moment, and unfortunately he's more that, you know, scat back out of the backfield. But he can still, I think he can still play. I mean, he hasn't had that much wear and tear on his body. So I think whoever he signs with, uh, I don't think it's going to be New Orleans. I don't think he will end up there, though, just because I don't think they truly need him. I think they're just kind of overreacting a little bit, like you said, to the Benjamin injury and the AK suspension. So I think it's more of a little reaction at the moment uh, out of the New Orleans camp. So, Agreed. But, Doc, Devin I like White. Oh, sorry. I, oh, I, you go. I, I like the move on Kareem Hunt. I think uh, seeing him pair with Nick Chubb, uh, you know, with AK being out for three games, it gives you an immediate fill for those first couple games. And then coming back, I mean, you know that he can already work with two. I think if it hurts anybody, it's going to hurt AK. But I think with the off-field problems and, and kind of how they've handled AK with Mark Ingram, I think that this is – New Orleans kind of trying to move past uh, AK going forward. I mean, I think he's going to be on his downward. Um, I don't think it's a money, like a prove it year for Kareem Hunt because he's been playing that backup role for the last four years. But, um, you know, going up that top 20, like you were a top 10 running back in fantasy, like you were saying back in 2020, you know, over 800 yards, six scores as a backup. I mean, that that's pretty solid. He's proven, you know, that he can make a, a great running core, you know, uh, the, the likes of Nick Chubb even better. Um, so, I'm excited to see it. I think that him and AK are going to do very well. Um, it's just kind of tough because AK is that that versatile all-around back. He's one of those, you know, he's 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 a um, you know Saquon Barkley, a CMC, that kind of running back because uh, he can, you know, he can catch out of the backfield so well and make moves up the field. But I, we've just seen such a decline, uh, whether it's injury or just you know sharing the touches, you know, sharing the load, whatever. But um, I mean, I, I like to see him bring somebody in that can that can boost his this offense a little bit. Yeah, we have to keep an eye on it, like you said. So he didn't he didn't he didn't sign as of August seventh. You know, at eleven thirty p.m. So don't think it's going to happen. We'll have to see kind of what I think he's waiting on. Also, the market, the running backs, what's going to happen? He might be a midseason. What market? Too, so. Yeah, I mean, but we'll have to see. You know, the injuries injuries do occur to some of these running backs on some of these teams. So he probably be a midseason pickup. And then Doc, uh, I. Devin White, you know, he requested a trade from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, former first rounder of the LSU Tigers. 
and former Super Bowl champion as well, obviously in the 2020 season when Brady came. But he did request a trade in the offseason. Chris was uh, keeping an eye on that as well. He mentioned that when we were talking about Tampa Bay and the you know the vision breakdown. He kind of came out, and I guess he put the the drama behind him and said, you know, he was a little selfish. He was hoping that he would be the, the main piece right now. It was going to be his team. Levante David, he's still recognized, is still there. And, you know, it's not – it's taken him a lot longer, I guess, to to go away. But he doesn't regret the trade request or request, but he did say he's a little selfish. Do you think the drama, I guess, will be, I guess, put the, put aside for this year for Devin White and the Tampa Buccaneers? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can call it selfish, but let's be real. Everybody's out here trying to provide, right? Um, I don't think, you know – it was it was necessarily the wrong move, right? Um, you know, when, when you've got a top tier, you know, when you've got a, a a Hall of Fame quarterback like Brady who leaves, and the offense just kind of seems like you can't find the the fix um, after Brady's gone. You know, you haven't really brought in the right replacement. I mean, the whole team just kind of seemed to spiral after Brady. Uh, you know, officially retired. Um, so I I get it. Um, and, you know, wanting to be the lead on that defense, you know, that's what everybody wants. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants that. And I can't blame a guy for coming out to get his. You know what I mean? And, and when you just kind of – when you're feeling out the vibe in the locker room and you're seeing the direction of the team and where they're going, you know, sometimes you got to realize a sinking ship is is exactly that. Yeah. It's a sinking ship. It's time to move on. It's time to, to find your way to success. And, you know, and then there's no telling what was done behind the scenes. Because it couldn't have, you know, it may not have just been like, hey, look, it's not your time. It may have been like, sit down, shut up, and, you know, shut up and color. You know, so we don't know what kind of respect he was getting. But I'll tell you what, him coming out and, and taking ownership and explaining the situation and everything, a lot of respect for that. Um, and that's why I think, you know, for him to come out and take that accountability and, and you know, hey, maybe I was being a little selfish. I think that's that's a true testament to him putting that in the rearview mirror. And uh, I'm excited to see him come out and, and and perform for this defense and hopefully get him back on on that track that we've seen. Because this is this is the defense that, in my opinion, has been lining up to be one of the best in the other. I mean, they were making all the right moves um, in the couple years leading up to Brady with the draft picks and then and then the moves going forward. But um, I mean, I I'm think excited you took to see what's going to happen. You took the words out of my mouth. I don't think it was selfish at all. I think he. He used the word selfish, which was the right way to describe it so that he didn't look like an asshole by saying that I saw the writing on the wall. And that was that, like exactly. you said, Tom Brady retired. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to say that. I don't think the Tampa Buccaneers are going to be that good like Jamal Dean thinks they are, where they're going to go win the it's, Super Bowl. It's not It's not just that, though. It's not just Brady retiring and the, and the Bucs aren't going to be that good. I think it was where the Bucs, their, their fall from grace after bringing Brady in, you know, winning a Super Bowl and, and the – the run that they were making, the dynasty that they were trying to build, right? But Brady didn't stay oh, long yeah. enough. And I think it was just seeing the lack of progression. Like, hey, we lost Brady. What are we doing to fill that? And they they didn't really do anything. And that's where I'm kind of like, hey, like, look, we got an opportunity here. If you guys are going to build on that, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I, I think he saw the writing on the wall. And it's good to see him put that drama aside for this year and, you know, move on and let's play some football. He didn't, he didn't regret it. So, hey, I'm okay with you. You know, apologizing. That's how you know it's real. Man. Yeah, so he, he understood it, and, you know, he let bygones be bygones for 2023. Chris, do you have anything to add on that, or are you, you good with that? Yeah, I mean, he – Devin White's still – I mean, he's still in his prime. He hasn't slowed down at all, so, I mean, he wants to compete. And, I mean, going into the season knowing that Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield is your quarterback on offense going from Brady to them, you know that Tampa's not going to be able to compete – 
I mean, they'll be able to compete in the NFC South, but outside of the South, you're not going to be able to compete. I mean, he came out, he said that him, the GM, Todd Bowles, they all met. They said that they've settled the situation. They have plans for him. He wants to be there long term. I truly believe him. I don't I don't think it was a selfish move. I mean, everybody in here is just looking for that paycheck. So, I mean, good on Devin White opening up. I mean, he did. He wasn't one of the guys that held out. He didn't. He didn't skip mini camp. He didn't skip OTAs. He showed up. He didn't practice, but he showed up. And I mean, yeah, that's what it, that's what it is. Yeah, the drama he was the there. Is. Let me just say this. All right, for a guy to see the writing on the wall, like you said, we went from Brady to Baker Mayfield. At least he had the balls to do something about it. I'm shocked that every receiver on that damn team was like, nah. Uh, you got to well, do better than that. Well, we'll see in the middle of the season how the receivers are feeling. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the record is, how they're playing with Baker, Kyle Trask. But, hey, good for De- uh, Devin White to put the drama aside and, you know, be a man and, you know, own up to what he said and, you know, let bygones be bygones. But, boy, speak of a man, the number two draft pick in the NFL draft, C.J. Stroud, the guy that I think is going to be the best QB in this class. I really like what he's got going on. He was the first quarterback out of the rookie crop to be announced as starting for preseason football as he is going to play the New England Patriots defense Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the NFL Network. Chris, mm. the way I'm feeling about C.J. Stroud is I just want to see him kind of take this NFL speed. I know it's not going to be the full game speed, but I want to see him handle the speed. That's going to be a little faster than college. You know, kind of a miniature, you know, maybe three series or so, hopefully what we're going to see from him. I want to see how he's going to develop. I want to see him in live action. I know in practice he's been killing it, is what they said, but – like D'Amico Ryan said, the coach, I want to see how he does against these NFL defenses, making adjustments, you know, calling audibles out there, seeing what how he does it. Because remember, he was so-called a dummy during the NFL test. So I want to see him prove everyone wrong. I want to see him become an expert uh, quarterback play caller. Yeah, I mean, the thing around C.J. Stroud is they're saying that it's still like a quarterback competition between him and Davis Mill. I think everybody with any football IQ knows that there's no competition at all between – him and Davis Mill. I mean, Stroud's got first team reps, three practices in a row over there. So clearly, clearly CJ's the guy. I just want him to be able to go out there, show that he can lead an NFL caliber offense and be able to handle himself. Cause I mean, I know he's not going to be going against defensive ones, but I mean, even these twos and threes well, are going to be better than any college team you're going against. Yeah, still going to be see a faster some- speed. Absolutely. He- he might see someone's, like I said, a couple series. We don't know how long Bill's going to play his defense. It seems like well, what we're going to break down a little bit. It seems like some of these teams are playing their starters. So it, you never know. Maybe we'll see Bill's defense for a couple series. And, you know, with C.D. Stroud, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see him against the ones and even maybe the high twos, too. Just kind of see what he does and, you know, make a name for himself. Like, you know, put, put, put your name out there and show that you can pl- call some plays. Yeah. The, I mean, the thing about it is, like, seeing these rookie quarterbacks go out there, you're not you're not expecting too much. You just want to see them hit their receivers. I mean, they're going to be seeing generic defenses. Your defensive coordinators aren't going to go out there and spill the whole playbook off preseason and give all these teams tape. So, I mean, you're going to be seeing generic defenses, but just seeing them go against a defense that's not their own during practice yeah. that you practice against every single day for two or three weeks, you know? No, that's definitely – that's how I feel. I want to see – like, because, you know, your own defense kind of figures out – figures you out after a while. It, same, and it goes both ways. You know, you know each other. So, it's good to see 
competition with C.J. Stroud and not just C.J. Stroud, Doc, Bryce Young, he's taking his first reps hopefully this this third or Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern against the New York Jets, who we saw in the Hall of Fame game. But maybe they'll play their starters. Maybe we'll see Sauce for a couple plays out there, a couple drives. But same thing with that, Doc, with Bryce Young. I want to see him anticipate his throws. I want to see him lead his receivers because it's not like college. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young both, but Bryce Young, I want to see him be able to lead his receivers. Make the you know the window tight the tight window throws not something he had in college as much because usually receivers are wide open in Alabama so I want to see him put Adam Thielen in spot you know plays out there I want to see him get the running backs out there in space you know not just always have, you know learn to win check down I want to see Bryce Young be able to continue to look, check off a receiver look at other receivers something he didn't have to do in Alabama like I said yeah I mean I want to you know that's all the boxes we need to check for this but. Honestly, at this point with Bryce Young and what I've seen in the pre, you know, in, in in practice and everything else, I mean, I'd like to see him just make the check down at this. I want to see him just stay on his feet. You know, I mean, the stature coming in and, and everything that we saw early on. Um, uh, what was it when OTAs first kicked off or when minicamp was it first kicked off? Um, I just want to see him, you know, not perform like, you know, a Cam Newton. You know what I mean? I just want to see him be able to handle the tempo of the game. I want to just see him grow. Same thing with C.J. Stroud. I just want to see him both be able to adapt to this this speed, this level of play, and and show progression. That's the biggest thing here is showing progression, right? If he comes out 10 touchdowns, five interceptions, 2,500 yards at the end of the rookie year, that doesn't make it a bad year. You know what I'm saying? I no, just want yeah. to see him be able to grow and and progress and become those NFL quarterbacks. We've seen way too many of them come out here that are that are, you know, top shots and and fail miserably so you know the progression is the biggest thing i'm looking for every week i just want to see something get a little bit better and it's, it's not just numbers it's not just yardage it's not just you know leading receivers comes into it you know at some point but for the most part it's just being able to read the defense being able to you know like you said call the audibles it's a great one um just being able to read the plays and and control the field be that be that field general you know what i'm saying that's what yeah. i want to see no, I think it's a great take there. I mean, uh, Chris is no, I know he's high on Bryce Young, so I know he's excited to see him. This was a, his topic he, he wanted to hammer on, you know, Bryce Young. We're going to finally see him. Like I said, he's going to be on the, he's going to be in front of all our eyes. NFL Network, it won't be one of the rerun games. It'll be the actual game, you know, live. So everyone's going to be watching him, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Like you said, Mark with the wide receiver talent around him. He doesn't have these five-star recruits like Saban was giving him in his back pocket. You got Adam Thielen, you got Terrace Marshall, DJ Chark. I mean, great LSU boys right there, but not not the type of talent he's used to having. And You got Adam I mean, Thielen and Adam Thielen. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase LSU yeah, talent yeah. either. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's low LSU talent right there. <laughs> but, I mean, I just want to see what he's going to be able to do if he can – just like CJ Stroud, I mean, these rookies all can they lead an NFL caliber offense? It's going to be different from college. I mean, Bryce, he's used to going against strong SEC defenses, so I'm not too worried about Bryce Young doing that. The only thing I'm worried about is him scrambling. I mean, he was a scrambling god in college who is able to extend those plays, which I don't think he's going to be able to do too much in the NFL level with the NFL talent on the defensive lines on the teams he's going to go against. But, and then like big report Saturday was that he was frustrated. He couldn't get snaps off in a two minute drill. So, I mean, is the pressure, I want to see him with that NFL pressure. 
Yeah, I mean, well, the two-minute drill is gonna, huge, too. Yeah, part of that's going to come with just the experience because the two-minute drill in college is, is far different from the NFL. And, and like you said, the biggest thing is the speed. The biggest thing is those guys coming off the line. Everybody's big in in college football but not everybody's as fast you know what i'm saying every every team's got their star some got a couple but i mean everybody in the nfl has that speed and that capability to burst off the line so that's i think that's going to be the biggest growing pain for both you know for any rookie quarterback but especially right now with cj stroud and and bryce young who are looking to be franchise quarterbacks on rebuilding teams that are really in the cellar of the nfl um is, is adjusting to that speed and those those guys i mean you're talking you're, you're used to 19, 20 year olds coming off the line pretty quick. Now you're talking 32, 34 year olds that are bursting off the line faster than anybody you've seen in college. So it's just a different yeah. breed of breed of players out here. And that's where I think the biggest learning curve is going to be. And we definitely and saw he, with, with Bryce Young early on in, in minicamp. Yeah. And these defensive and, ends and stuff are going to know what he's going to do before he hmm. even knows what he's going to do because they've oh, yeah. seen it already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, Doc, point. too, it's it's all about progression. You don't have to go out there and kill it. Like it's like Peyton Manning struggled no. his rookie year. Trevor Lawrence had a rough rookie year. These guys have rough rookie years. It's just making the progression each week, you know, week-to-week basis, essentially. And that starts right That's now in it. preseason. It starts at week one preseason all the way until the end of you know, your rookie season. Never know. Maybe they go in the playoffs. Maybe it goes into the playoffs. We will see with that. But all eyes are on Bryce Young and C.A. Stroud. And, Doc, you talked about it earlier. You mentioned it, the Bucks quarterback battle. That is a battle I'm looking forward to because Kyle Trask, the former second-round pick out of the University of Florida, has been reported he's up there with Baker Mayfield during uh, training camp. So seeing Baker and Kyle Trask going into week one, who's going to start is going to be key. Doesn't mean you're the starter for the season, but I want to see the other guys start week two. Also, Tristan Wirfs is moving over from right tackle to left tackle. So it's experiment year. He's having some mental issues. He had to go see a, you know, a doctor to check out his mental, uh, you know, stability essentially, which is good, good on him for doing that, you know, wait a man up. And, you know, if you had a problem, go take care of it. But seeing Baker and Kyle Trask this week, I think is going to be big. I want to see both of them play a quarter. I would like to see both of these guys, since they're in a battle, play more extended time than what some of these stars are going to do, just because you've got to see what Baker and Kyle Trask can do. My eyes are on Baker and Kyle Trask for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a big battle. I mean, it's also not just because, I mean, when you look at it at face value, you're going to suck either way. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, this is make or break for both of these guys in their long term, you know, in their longevity. So I would definitely, I don't think we're going to get a quarter out of each of them. I would definitely like to see them each play, you know, extended periods. I think you might get a couple of drives out of Baker in week one and then some extended time out of Trask. Um, but I would, like you said, I think I think it's a fantastic move. You know, start them, start them each a week. You know, the first two yeah. weeks, rotate them because then you kind of see how that that game tempo comes out starting, how they kind of control the atmosphere, control the level of play, and you know, see who's really ready to step up and take charge. Because anybody, I mean, when when you come out of the half, starting at the second half ain't the same as starting the game, and everybody's trying to come out guns blazing, you know, after the initial kickoff. So, you know, coming out halfway through the second, third quarter, whatever. I mean, it just ain't the same. So. Um, seeing how they come out, that energy that they bring, that vibe they bring to the team, and how they rally that offense and get everybody in line is is can can be the game changer in a lot of ways, especially in that division. Yeah, I'm, I I just want Chris like like we were saying, I just want to see it, man. Like I it, I think Baker's gonna be a starter when it's all said and done. Don't get me wrong, not nothing against Kyle Trask, but Baker is a little more proven. He, you know, he seems like he's been more ready. I mean, obviously the first draft pick led the Browns to a playoff appearance one of playoff games the Browns haven't done in God knows how long so yeah and I don't give a shit what you say it's hard to do that 
with the Browns. Yeah, so I mean, hard, all right. He did. He may not have won a Super Bowl, all right, but he got the Browns in a no man's land. I think Baker has the you know the advantage at the moment, but I want to see what Trask can do. What he learned from Tom Brady, it's going to be key this this preseason and Week One against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean Todd Todd Bowles has a hard one right here because you want to see both of them on the field. You want to see both of them get a lot of playing time, but you also don't want to risk their health for a preseason game. I mean, Baker and Trask, there's really not much not much to say until we see it on the field. Like, these guys can ball and practice, but, like, what can they do facing another team that's not their own defense, you know? Yeah, and Pittsburgh, you know, if they play their stars, they have a pretty good defense. So, kind of seeing what whoever can lead them against the first couple um, – well, they played a couple of good defenses each two weeks. They play the Jets as well next week. So they'll have a good ch- opportunity to play their starters if both the Jets and the Steelers play their starters in a couple drives. So I think it's big, like me and Doc said, to keep flip-flopping just for the next two games or these first two games, really, which will be big. Doc, he, Chris mentioned not you know risking injuries. Dak Prescott, they're not risking his injury. Like you said, he hasn't played many preseason games in his career lately, and they've already announced it with a newly receiver, Brandon Cooks, they are not playing Dak Prescott at all this preseason. I think it's kind of foolish, you know, not to play a little bit at least, just because you want to have that chemistry there with Brandon Cooks. We already have it with CeeDee Lamb, but you want to get that that rhythm with your new receiver, who I think is an important number two receiver on your team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a in, in this offense, he's going to play a huge role. I I he hasn't played a preseason game since 2019, which is mind-boggling to me to begin with, but uh <laughs> To come out here, you know, obviously it didn't work with Kellen Moore. The the vibe didn't work. The offense didn't work. Um, I mean, they, they had success, but it didn't work to where they wanted it to be, right? And now you got a brand-new offensive coordinator coming in here uh, with Schottenheimer, and, and you just want to you, – you don't want to put the, the main glue out there. You know what I'm saying? you you got to build that. Because practice, like we've said before, you're going against your own defense. You learn how to read your own defense. You find the weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? So – it's I don't understand how you can go the whole preseason again again this year without putting your starting quarterback out there for at least a drive a game and put him under the lights with everybody and say, hey, it's what we're going to do and, and see what he can work out because, you know, Ezekiel's gone. So now you got Tony Pollard um, flat out coming back from an injury, right? Um, Deuce Vaughn, the rookie. Yep. Seeing that how you're going to gel with Deuce Vaughn. That man looks so yep. little too. That man looks like Doc. That man looks so he's he's shorter than me. I think he's like five five or something like that. This guy, hey is, man, that might you know it's a, what was what was that movie? Um, it's like Mario the Giants, the mushroom, the little giants where he's like crawling under the legs. Was that yeah, what it was? Did you <laughs> did you see him try to throw a block out of the out of the backfield? And just get that man fucking is, ran over. Yeah, that I, man is I not think of that. that scene from The Blind Side with Michael Orr. When they were when they were doing the high school tape, when he sent him home and just picked him up from like the twenty yard line and dragged him all the way back through the end zone, and, and that's they, what and I see those, with him trying to throw a block. And they had those guardian caps too, so like it looks yeah. it looks like Mario's hat before he eats a mushroom. He's so fucking little, man. It's oh, like, you love God, to see it. dude. Yeah, but I I mean I, I think it is I think it's important for him to get playing time. Like you said, Doc, you don't want to risk you know have him out there getting hurt just to get chemistry. But I get that though. I, I do his get injury, it. Just, you know, I get it, but uh, but you that's why he didn't play in twenty twenty one. Which is, you're sitting that. here, you're sitting here. Everything's on the line. Jerry Jones wants to win. You know, you're making all the moves. Doing, you know, you, you're swearing that this is the every year. This is the year, right? We them boys. Every single year, 
but you're not taking the steps to make your team successful. I'm not saying that playing in the preseason is what makes a successful quarterback or successful team, but you got to take advantage of the opportunities that you have. Yes, you're not going to play every single every single down in a preseason game because the reality is you got a lot of second and third stringers that are hard charging, trying to earn their spot, right? So there are guys that are playing it like it's a regular season. So I get that. But put them out there in the first few drives where you got starters. You're playing the Broncos. You know the Broncos starters. They're not going balls to the wall. You know what I'm saying? Put them out there. See what he can – let let them build that uh, that rapport with the offense. Let them get that chemistry going. But, no, nope, we're going to see another Dak Prescott leading the league in interceptions. We're going to see a weaker Cowboys team. They're not even going to win the division, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see how many people got uh, – Super Bowl champions 2024, you know, tattoos that now got to get covered up with 2025 next season. Gee, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we'll Freedom see. Bars. I mean, Dak, Dak has been throwing a lot of interceptions in camp too, uh, or at least a lot of videos it shows. I mean, I know a couple of them have been his fault, but man, a lot of the deep ball throws, it's he's short throws. So we'll have to see if they can turn that around during the season because they're not going to do it in preseason. So during the season, well, they tried I, I to trade him. They tried to trade him, but you know they, you know he threw a going away party and it got intercepted. So Jesus. he ended up coming back. I think, I think, I think this is a dumb move by Mike McCarthy, not playing him at least, at least keep him on like a snap count or something. Tell that man to go out there and be be cautious. Don't do anything stupid. I mean, they came out flat last year. They came out flat the year before, like. He doesn't have these connections with his wide receivers. He, like Doc said, new offensive coordinator. You got to get him out there and get some playing time. It's Dak. I feel bad for a situation like you mentioned, Mark. Like social media, I fucking feel bad for Doc or Dak as well. I mean, that man's getting fucking roasted on every NFL news fucking thing, and then there you have Aaron Rodgers getting picked off by Sauce, and everyone's just fucking praising Sauce but not riding Aaron. So I mean, I feel bad for him. Also, <laughs> out like, there playing. <laughs> true, these guys have played well, a preseason snaps since 2019. And then I, I don't know what's happening in that locker room. I don't know if Dak isn't liked in the locker room or what. But when you got Stefan Diggs fucking coming at you and saying you're a fucking joke or whatever he said to him in the end zone, Tr- Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon, 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 one yeah. of the one of the Diggs brothers. Well, I want to yeah, when you got. Them. When you got, when you got, they probably both say it to him, but when you got Trayvon coming to you and saying, cursing at you, and you're the fucking lead quarterback for what, how many years now? Something, something in that locker room is fishy. They address well, and that. That, too. that begs the question. That begs the question, though. I mean, is this is this McCarthy saying we're not playing Dak? Is this the front office saying we're going to protect him, make sure he doesn't get hurt, or is this Dak being a prima donna saying? Not well, doing it's it. Jared Jones' team. Jared Jones tells McCarthy what to say. It seems like, but Chris, they, well, they Jerry, yeah, Jerry that. Jones, the puppet master. They said that it, that's no big deal. That's the way they are in practice. They just trash talk. So, you know, they're playing the whole, uh, you know, Salviar kind of game. Any so. other year? Yeah, I mean, but Trayvon's you know, he's got a set of balls on him now. He's got a, he's got another corner to back him up. So now Trayvon's gonna be running his mouth a lot more. But Doc, I don't know. The most frustrating thing, last thing I'll say, the most frustrating thing on it is, is he has not performed at a level that warrants you sitting out an entire preseason since 2019. You know what I'm saying? This Patty Mahomes, I don't think is sitting out the entire preseason. You know what I mean? The the only year I can understand him sitting out was 2021 when he came back from that you know broken ankle that was in a helicopter and you know ankle play. So 
that I can understand, you know, don't, don't push him in the preseason off that nasty, you know, leg injury. But the rest of the year is like, yeah, he should be playing a little bit. But he two should teams, be Chris, yeah, two teams that aren't worried about playing their starters, Russell Wilson and Derek Carr will be playing because both teams have announced whoever's available, whoever's not hurt. Like, you know, Demarius Davis is not going to play probably for the Saints. He's, you know, a little banged up at the moment. But okay. the starters for the New Orleans Saints and the Denver Broncos have been said they are playing preseason football. So, you know, you have the Saints playing all their starters. Derek Carr's going to be out there. I think Alvin Kamara can still play. So you probably see some AK out there. You're going to see Russell Wilson. Don't know how much we're going to see Javante Williams if he's going to be ready. You're going to see Jerry, Judy, all these guys. Chris, how how much should the Saints and Broncos play their starters? Should it be a couple snaps or, I mean, sorry, a couple drives, a quarter? What are you expecting with these two teams? I mean, I'll start, I'll start with the Broncos right here. I mean – Sean Payton already came out and said that it's not going to be it's not going to be time based. It's going to be a snap count. I mean, he said just his front line. He's going to see fifteen to eighteen snaps just to gain that connection between them. I mean, Sean's He'll bringing trust. this Bronco. Sean's bringing this Broncos team back to what it needed to be. Uh, he already redid what Hackett did. He's bringing back seven-on-seven passing drills. He's bringing on that one-on-one pass rush drills. And he's having players run full speed and hitting each other full go at practice. Like, Sean's not fucking around on this Broncos team anymore. No, he's not. Like, Sean's bringing – Yeah, no, Sean's bringing it back to what it used to be. And he's trying to avoid that slow start, what they had to do last year. So, I mean, I give credit to Sean. I think he's doing it the right way. And then on the Saints side, I think this is, I think this is mostly big for Carr. I mean, you have a veteran coming to a brand new team, brand new offense, and he's just going out there to try to gain those connections with those wide receivers. I mean, he flew a bunch of them out to Vegas, off the in the off season to try to gain connection. But let's see it game time, you know. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Just you know, I'm okay with the pitch count, like like you said. If it's 20 plays or less or whatever each coach between Dennis Allen and Sean Payton want to do, do it, man. Like if someone gets hurt, then, then someone gets hurt. You can't go zero to hundred from, you know, from training camp to the NFL. You have to have some kind of playing time to condition your body. You know, it, that's how it used to be. You do a couple of drives when it used to be four games, you do a couple of drives the first week and then you do maybe like four or five, the next drive or series or game. And then you do a half the third game and the fourth game, everyone sits out. So, they have to get back that body to being there. Otherwise, you're going to have more injuries. So I'm all for it, man. Like, I'm good good with Dennis Allen, good with Sean Payton, playing the starters, man. I, I think it's got, you know, good coaching written all over, I think. I'm not saying they're good coaches, but it's it's a good coaching style to have, you know, make your players play a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a fantastic. It. You hit it on the spot, yeah. Mark. I mean, like, you have – your body's just physically not able to get fucking go from zero – and then go into these games, say like week one of the regular season, and players are coming for your fucking head. And you know, on practice, like your defensive players aren't going to hit you as hard because, hey, we're on the same team. Then goals to win. We don't want to injure you. So I mean, going from zero, and then not playing at all for preseason, and then week one, you take your first snap and you get fucking railed. I mean, that's going to hurt the body. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to hurt the body. I mean, you're not you're not ready to to take that hit right because you haven't been getting hit all game. And then as soon as these guys come out of that and they're trying to hit as hard as they can, so they're they're taking more beat on themselves for it or they're landing wrong. Uh, you know, I saw us in high school. Um, we had a, a 
highly regarded coach come in, right? Um, and he did the same shit with our guys in the preseason. He was he was no contact, all or not preseason in camp and everything, no contact, all this shit. When the season came, that was the biggest complaint that I heard from everybody on the team was we haven't hit nobody yet. We have they weren't they weren't ready for it. You know what I yeah. mean? They didn't know what to expect in high school because these ain't guys that have been playing for twenty years. You know what I mean? These are guys well, that you know didn't know what to expect or didn't remember or they just weren't ready or weren't prepared because they weren't putting in the effort for it. Now all these guys, like you said, are coming at them like a fucking freight train. And they're just laying down and taking it because they haven't been, they haven't been working with it. I think it's a fantastic move to come out here, full contact, run the shit up, get them used to it. You know, not for not for every day for for three weeks before the the preseason. You know what I mean? But give them a taste to get them ready for it. So when the preseason comes out, everybody's dialed in. The testosterone's come down. Uh, you know enough to it's not exp- yeah. it's not pouring out. You know what I'm saying? But enough to where you're playing competitive, but you're not trying to you're not trying to. Uh, what was that? The bounty gate for, uh, yeah, for the Saints? Hey, hey, I mean, no, Chris knows oh, this shit, guy. My That's bad, my bad. Like, like documentary in high school. Like, I didn't play high school football. I was more just there hanging out, you know, watching, you know, each Friday night. But Chris knows this guy I'm about to name. We grew up with him, Chris Murray. You know, um, I see a lot of comments on, like, Facebook. People will, like, talk about, like, the throwbacks in high school. And everyone on the high school team that I, I have friends with still on Facebook, they'll be like, Man, fucking Chris Murray rocked my ass. Hardest hit I've ever had. And they they greatly appreciate that because, like you said, going into the season, when they get by someone that's just as big or strong, their body can take it. Like, they got blindsided by him in Oklahoma drills and in practice, and now they're ready for it because they're, you know, they're one of the hardest teammates, harding his teammates on the, their team, provided that, you know, conditioning for the body. So it's definitely good to have that body, you know, conditioned, ready to go for, you know, 18 weeks, 17 weeks. Not 18, but – 18 long weeks because you have a bye week, but 17 games. It's good to have that conditioning. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. And shout out to you, Chris Murray. You know, fucking guy was a dog in high school. and Loved watching him play. And something I'm ready to look forward to watching play is the new commander's offense under Eric Benenemy coming from Kansas City. They're in a quarterback controversial too, or controversial too, Doc. They had Sam Howell as a starter, but apparently under, according to Ron Rivera, Jacoby Brissett has been looking really, really good has not ruled him out as a starter now. So you have another quarterback uh, battle out there in D.C. with the new offense coordinator. So it's going to be interesting to see these two quarterbacks run that Benenemy offensive style uh, gameplay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's not a bad way to go. Um, he's kind of just been that middle-of-the-road quarterback his, his career. Um you know, you're bringing in a veteran guy, not a bad opportunity to give him some starts early on in the season, kind of take the season slow because I don't think Washington's in any position to contend for a championship and let the young guys learn behind them. And kind of that, you know, we've said it before. I'll say it again that Brian Greasy uh, start to the season or Andy Dalton where he's just kind of a placeholder until the guy you want to start is ready. Um but either way, I mean, coming out and not ruling them out, I mean, it, it's it's a classic move by any coach to get your young guys fired up and get them working harder, get them motivated and get them out there driving and, you know, let the best man win. Because um, quite frankly, as a coach or an owner, you, you don't give a shit who the name is on the back of the jersey starting. You just want the guy that's going to win you games. That's the most important thing, whether and especially in a team like this, how Brissett from third string, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And whoever is the best quarter, whoever's going to put you in the best position to win, that's who's out there on the field. Yeah, I agree. That, that's what you need. You need your best players out there, essentially. So, And Brissett's athletic enough, I think, has a can of an arm to lead this offense. But, yeah. you know, and we're not I want talking to see Sam Howell. Yeah, I want to see Sam Howell, too. I want to see both of them. Sam Howell, 
was a top talent in North Carolina. Like I said, he kind of fell off a little bit his senior his last year in North Carolina. So I want to see it step up. Uh, yeah, I want to see it in preseason, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see kind of what Eric Benemi's offense kind of looks like without Andy Reid, the the headmaster behind that offense. I mean, I know we're not going to get the full playbook, but I'm sure we're going to get a little bit. So I'm excited to see that. I mean, the quarterback battle between Brissett and Howell, that's a tough one. I mean, you have you have Brissett that showed what he could do last year as a game manager, and then you got Howell that hasn't really got that starting starting chance yet. So, I mean, it, Ron Rivera is also in that tough position is how much do you play both of them because these are the two guys you're going to go into the season with and who are you going to end up picking, you know? So this is going to be a close quarterback battle to pick. I mean, I think either way, the King Maynarders aren't going to win shit, so it doesn't really matter too much. But they might be they might be playing for that first-round pick to get Caleb Williams next year. They're playing for Ron Rivera this year. And I guess the theme, though, is quarterback battles because for the week one preseason just because there's so many going on. Anthony Richardson and Garden Minshew – I, I we expect AAR to fit, be the starter sometime in the season, but like Doc mentioned earlier to us in our group chat, the Colts are they're swinging away from that you know typical pocket passer like the Peyton Manning's. Andrew Luck was a pretty good pocket passer, but he was a little mobile too. But you know they had Matt Ryan for a little while, they had Philip Rivers, but you know getting Minshew who's pretty athletic, he he's, he can scramble and he can make throws on the run, and then of course of AR, you know, his athletic fucking freak out there, so. Doc, I know you're excited to see this quarterback battle between AR-15 and Gardner Minshew, the former Washington State quarterback that had that nice little one year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So my eyes are on that as well. I want to see both these quarterbacks this year. Yeah, I think uh, this might be the one that I'm most excited for because as overrated as I think Anthony Richardson, I mean, he is an athletic freak, but I think that he's overrated. um, And I want to find something that I like about him aside from his combine because – Combine or not, I mean, you're not under pressure at the combine. You know what I mean? I, the numbers from Florida were not anything worth even, you know, double taking. You know what I'm saying? So I want to see the guy be successful. I think Indianapolis deserves it. They've kind of been struggling. I mean, even with Andrew Luck, they never really found that true success. Um, and I think the one thing that makes this one so interesting is, like you said, Gardner Minshew had that one successful year with the Jaguars, but and then shit since. Like, I'm honestly shocked that they haven't come out and and clearly named Anthony Richardson the starter yet. To take a gamble like that on a guy so early and you're like, yeah, you know, we might see what happens. I mean, that's – there's no way. They're, 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 they're playing the hand close to the chest, but there's no way that, that he's not the starter going into week one. Um, but I think the most interesting part of the whole – you know, you brought up the uh, getting away from the – the the pocket passing the the feet and concrete he called it uh quarterback style is it wasn't even the coach's game plan that came out there it wasn't the gm though it was the owner it was ursay came out and said I, I want scrambling quarterbacks this is the way of the nfl's the way of the future i want a scrambling quarterback and that was ultimately you know it seemed like you know i don't know if you had that mindset going into the draft um obviously he made the comment well after the draft just before preseason but um you know is that what drove them to go for anthony richardson was that athletic ability like you were talking about specifically for that ability to scramble throw on the run and things like that so very excited to see this battle i think this is going to be one of the more exciting ones to watch i don't think it's going to be even close um but that's where i think anthony richardson is going to kind of start to build that that gap between him and Minshew, and just continue to prove to the world that Minshew ain't shit 
Yeah, I mean, I mean Doc, Doc, Doc hit pretty much fucking everything. I mean, after every practice at the end of the day, all you can see on social media is how Anthony Richardson balled out today at practice. So, I mean, I would not be surprised week one, Anthony Richardson starting for the Colts and going into that, going to avoid that pocket passer into the running quarterback. I mean, that's where the league's going. I mean, you see how successful it is in Philly. You see how successful it is in Baltimore. I mean, running quarterbacks is the future. Pocket quarterbacks are slowly, slowly coming out. out. Unless, unless you're fucking Big Dick Joe, then I mean, hey. don't say Chicago, Doc. It's Kansas City's the come other on. one. No, yeah. come on. But, Kansas City's but, the, obviously the, Patty, the, the one that he forgot. <laughs> come on, God Patty. Patty's uh, Patty's not like a a running quarterback though. I mean, he could definitely escape the pocket and get you a good he's, fifteen he's yards. Very, yeah, but hey. he's not. Very he's gonna up. look for that. He's gonna look for that pass first before he tucks the ball. Unlike oh, I, Lamar, Lamar fucking um, other boy Justin in Philly, Fields. you know, Hurts. Oh, I don't know. Hurts, Hurts was a mixture of both. I mean, I don't know. Watch that AFC Championship against the Titans uh, with Patrick Mahomes. That man had like a 20, 30 yard touchdown run out there, just spinning out of trouble, shaking and baking out there. I don't. I mean, he's underrated as a runner. He he really. I don't is. know how you leave the Bears out of it when we can talk about Mitchell Trubisky's 80 yard run for a 15 yard gain. Okay. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. That <laughs> shit. Know y'all remember when, that? When I see guys that run like you know, like you said, like 60, 80 yards, and only get like a 10, 15 yard. Hey, that's dedication. Yeah, that is man. That's, <laughs> that's a hell of a run. That's a hell of a run. Most guys are giving up. Most guys are taking the total Brady at that point. You know what I'm saying? Most guys are gas too. Like they're just like they're oh, yeah. having a hard. Yeah, I would be dying out there if I, if I get first down. I ran eighty yards just to get you know ten fifteen yards. I'd be asking for oxygen I mean, after that, man. That'd I mean, done. who was it? Fucking Danny Etling for the Patriots that like broke off that eighty yard run and then ended up stumbling before the touchdown in preseason a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, it's yeah. Somebody's good. It's good. It's a good laugh, you know. I mean, I guarantee they're laughing when they get up too, because you know they fucked up. But yeah, man, a lot of battles, quarterback battles are going to be something to keep an eye on. I mean, we have, we have quite a few, and you know, new look offenses, new look defenses, something to just to kind of you know, like like we said, generic as can be. It's going to be very vanilla based, very plain out there. But um, unfortunately, that's what we're going to get in preseason. But let's just get, keep an eye on our teams. I know we all three have things we want to look forward to. I want to see Bijan Robinson. I know Doc wants to see DJ Moore. Chris has a new offense out there, so we all have stuff for our teams we want to get keep an eye on. So I want to see Desmond Ritter as picked, well. I almost picked Bijan for my for my week one. Dude, that man is fucking out there. I'm excited. It. He's triple. He's making triple moves as a running back. Like he's. I know it's our own linebackers, but he's breaking their ankles, man. Like it's fucking nasty. Like what he's doing. Some of the catches he's had. Hey, man, I, I like it. I, I I like what he's gonna do, and hopefully he can last more than five years, but. Y'all just need Gardner Minshew, and you're ready to go. We have Desmond Ritter, but hey, we are officially one month away. You know, four not four exact weeks, but we are one month away. September seventh, thirty days. Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions, thirty-one days. The Detroit Lions 31. versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Jared Goff versus Patrick Mahomes. A rematch of that electric Monday Night Football way back in the day when he was on the Rams. But you know, maybe we'll get some fireworks like that again. And speaking of fireworks, boys, and everyone that's listening out there, the preseason coaches poll for college football dropped this morning. I mean, of course, Georgia's number one. I mean, it's go go figure. But 
The bigger story is Alabama was not number two, according to coaches. They were number three. The Michigan Wolverines were number two, and then Ohio State, number four. And then number five, Chris is pulling up. Uh, I can't see. Chris, who's number five? Yeah, it's trying to slow hard out. uh, uh, The boys out in the bayou. Yeah, go Tigers, LSU. So that's your top five. I mean, I know we have some some things to talk about. Uh, I'll let Chris rip on the number eight. I'll let Chris rip on that last one that we're I know we're talking about, but Oklahoma boys, this is the lowest I think I've seen Oklahoma, you know, in coaches or AP poll to start the season in a long time. I know they had that rough year last year where they were six and seven. Um, they did not have a winning record second year with their new coach. So we'll see what they can do. Dylan Gabriel out there as well. They had a kind of a, you know, rotating quarterback. I think Gabriel got hurt for a little bit last year, but Kind of, I want to see what Oklahoma's going to do. My rival, you know, I'm a Texas fan, so I want to see what my rival's going to do out there. We'd like for them to shut the bet again, but I think it's a little, I think it's a little, I don't know. It's hard to say if it's a little high or low because how bad they were last year. So maybe Oklahoma bounces back. Maybe they, they make a name for themselves again, but Oklahoma being at 19, very, very odd to see. And from this set of eyes, honestly. Yeah. Like you said, Mark, I mean, it's a coach's poll, so it's not really the ranked the ranked team list, but I mean, usually the coaches poll and the ranked list is kind of pretty, pretty similar. I mean, I have onesies, you you might have onesies and twosies that are like a little off, but I mean, I saw this come out today and my fucking balls tingled because that means (laughs) college football is so much fucking closer to being on TV boys. I'm excited. And then I saw fucking Texas A&M at 25 and the tingle kind of went away. I'm fucking done <laughs> yeah. with the hype. I'm done with the hype at AM. I know fucking Jimbo Fisher can recruit. They get five stars, but they can't do shit with they the don't five do stars. Win them. Don't yeah, do exactly. Win them. Until until AM can get better than a five and seven season. I know they unfortunately beat my Tigers last year at the very end of the week season. That kind of was sad. But hey, get the fuck out of the 25, okay? The, the most mean, disappointing part is they're not even – like, they're making bonehead mistakes out there, dropping open passes, stepping out of bounds, not even realizing. It's like that 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 basketball player on the baseline has no idea what the fuck he's doing. It's – like, it's they don't – the other teams aren't winning games. They're losing them. You know what I'm saying? Um I I'm I'm a I'm a Jimbo Fisher fan because I'm a Florida State fan and I wanted so much success out of out of Texas AM, but it has just been a heart wrenching disappointment. Um, everything that that's been going on down there, uh, the quarterback monstrosity last year of of a of a quarterback system. I mean, just everything could not have gone more wrong, which surprised me in so many ways. How they held into into so many games, almost beat uh, Alabama for starters. You know, I mean, there <laughs> yeah. were so many games that they were into a last minute that they probably shouldn't have been from the beginning, but then they go up against easy targets and they can't fucking close it out. So I'm not going to lie. I've always thought, I, I understand. Don't get me wrong. He won a championship in Florida state. He went to the first ever playoff, got blown out, but minus the Jameis Winston. I mean, I, like they were pretty good with, without Jim or Jameis and all that. They had their nine wins years, 10 win years. I've always thought Jimbo Fisher has been overrated. I, I think, yeah, he can recruit. That's great. But we've seen like the good coaches like Nick Saban's and you know the uh, Ryan Days and the Jim Trestles back in the day. Like they're able to keep continuing, continuing the factory and keep no not missing a beat. Jimbo Fisher's never really done that, minus Jameis Winston and that talented, talented 2013 Florida State team where they had pieces everywhere. And 
I, I think it's right on par with AM. You know, he he recruits great, good for him, but I don't think he's that good of a coach. I think he looks lost a lot on the sideline, always has. You know, if you don't have a Jameis Winston and a fucking Kelvin Benjamin out there and, you know, Dalvin Cook and all, you know, Devontae Freeman, <laughs> life's a little life's a little harder for you when you're coaching then. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say he can't reload. I mean, he's definitely proven that he can reload teams. They get their top three in SEC recruiting pretty much every year, up in top ten recruiting just nationally. It's it's just that they can't do shit with the players. I think I think he's overhyped offensively. I think everybody's pretty much figured him out his offensive game plan. So I mean, he can recruit. That's good for him. But it's oh, yeah. what you do with the players. And Doc, shout out to Florida State too, man. Number eight the coaches. I I mean, they got a lot of transfers this year. They finished ten and three last year, or I believe it was ten and three last year. So I mean, Florida State's got a lot of eyes on them too. And you know, them back now in the top ten, uh, some, somewhere they haven't been in a long time. You know, before a season. So Florida's on the list. So really, the whole state of Florida eyes are on you. Like you guys are now the cream of the crop for the state of Florida. So, you know. Big things out of Florida State, honestly, is is the big rumors out there. Honestly, I just I am so excited because last year was a huge rebuild year, and I'm shocked the success that we had because I thought Willie Taggart burned this fucking program to the to the ground so hard. I thought it was going to take us five, six, seven, eight years to to recover from that. I mean, that was an absolute shit show to see a guy s- destroy an Oregon program that was so built a dynasty in the, in the pac 12. And then we're like, Oh yeah, that's our guy. He's an alum. Let's bring him in. He shit the bed in Oregon, but let's bring him in. And you want to talk about a guy that looks, look lost on the sideline. You want to say Jimbo Fisher, pull up any footage of Willie Taggart on a Florida state sideline. I swear to God, (laughs) this dude was just out here all game. Yeah. That's dude had no idea what's going on. An absolute shit show. I'm just happy that we rebounded as quick as we did. Um, I know that we got one of the, if not the top, one of the top, um, one of the top like two or three wide receiver recruits coming into the season this year. Huge pickup for Florida State. The recruiting was not quite what I wanted to be last I checked. Transfer portal uh, was big. Probably about a month a big, ago. You guys had a big transfer portal though coming into 2023. So yeah, I don't know, last I checked about a month coming. ago. We had one five-star recruit. We had a handful of fours. It wasn't quite where I wanted to be. I think we were top 20 in recruiting. Um, but either way, what we were coming off of, uh, still exciting, still going to be a great year. Um, oh, yeah. I think the year before that, we were like three and nine. It was something terribly embarrassing. That was, I think, the the last year after Taggart. Um, but RIP to that man's career. I don't even know where he's at right now, but he needs to go. He needs to never step foot in a college field again. But I want to bring up one. Um, yeah, probably back like Pee Wee. I want to bring up one shocker in the coach's poll. Uh, I know I don't usually call the shots, but uh, I just picked up on this not too long ago. But UTSA had 59 votes. You want to talk about a yeah. small school like Tulane? UTSA had 59 votes in the coach's poll. Yeah, th- I deal. think they're. I think they ranked um, – it was last year, the year before. They were in the top 25 to start the season because they played Texas in the beginning of the season. And uh, they were – I think they were number 25 when we played them, and we were ranked too. But, you know, they've been pretty good. Tulane was had a good year last year. You know, there's five Big 12 schools in their dock. I don't think TCU is going to hold up this year. They lost a lot of uh, players last year. So, we'll see what they can do, uh, you know, 
Washington representing the, the Pac-12. Chris's, you know, team he calls it the Pac-4 now. You know, Oregon State rocking the lone foursome out there when they're all yeah. left alone when the Pac-12 yeah. dismantles. Kind of shocked to see Wisconsin in there too. Yeah, they snuck I mean, in two, there. Two things. Like one thing is I wanted Texas at least top ten because I just want to hear Texas fans say Texas is back. No, it's like also, no. It's you're like, saying you're you're saying it wrong. You gotta say it like Sam Ellinger. You gotta say what is it? We're back. But we beat exactly. did we beat Georgia though. That we beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl that year. So I, yeah. at the time, you have to say that. You know, you do have to say it. you win a New Six Bowl game. It didn't pan out. You know, twenty twenty hindsight, it did not work out. So yeah, it looks bad now. And then and then is Texas the new the new place for college football? I mean, they got what four four five teams up here. Top twenty-five. Is Texas no, the place to go to play football? I mean, it looks, but we are counting probably A and M and TCU not to probably be up there for much this year. They got four? no. There's five. There's there's Texas. No, there's only four. Yeah, Texas, TCU, yeah, yeah. Texas Tech, and A and M. Yeah, yeah, four. I mean, I am but, just. I'm so excited to see Michigan start out at number two, so they can just stay near the top all season long and get absolutely fucking dumped on in the playoffs. Yeah, like last year. Notre, you brought up the 2013 national championship with uh, with uh, Florida State winning that that steamroll of a game, uh, dropping a log right on Notre Dame, and and Michigan is the Notre Dame of the top 25 every year. Well, Notre Dame's still I mean, there, I, so I mean, <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to look, but I can't remember the last time I've seen Alabama not one or two, you know. And this is just yeah, kind of goes but, to like and a preseason. Well, and this is also the coaches, though. This isn't yeah, the so official. We got to because the streak won't end until the official comes out. But the fact yeah. that coaches though put you at number three, you know, behind Michigan, and I think they only have three more votes higher than um, Ohio State for first place. So it just you know it they, proves it proves that Alabama has a lot of question marks going into the season. Quarterback. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. I think there's a lot of. I think the biggest question mark is Saban. No, I'll, I'll always trust Saban until he's off the field. Another team, though, before we sign off is number 20, North Carolina, because they have Drake May, who is potentially going to try and rattle Caleb Williams for that number one quarterback spot in the draft. You know, mm. a lot of people are high on Drake May. So, you know, what does he become? What does he do? I know Sam Howell had that same pressure. So looking at that, also the Pac-12, there have been argued that they're maybe the best crop of quarterbacks this year. They have, you know – um, Penix Jr. out of Washington. You have Bo Nix out of Oregon, who had a good year last year. I know he, he sucked at Auburn, but he did good last year in Oregon. And then you have Caleb Williams, number six at USC. So, you know, you have a good crop out there in the Pac-12. So we're going to see what they can do in their last year as a conference. You know, these quarterbacks definitely want to get drafted. So I think it's going to be an interesting QB year, especially with these top 20 teams right here. I'm not worried about Drake May. Drake May proved what he could do last year. UNC we'll is such see. a hard team. UNC is such a hard team to judge because, like, they could end the season being top fifteen, but they could also end the season being fucking a bottom feeder team. You know, I can't. And like really Doc's about his former coach, I want them to do good because of my former coach, Mac Brown. You know, he's out there in North Carolina, and you know, he's a legendary coach. He had great years with Texas, uh, like like Doc said, similar to to Jimbo Fisher, where you know he won there, and you know he had some good years at Florida State. So. I root for North Carolina just because I want to see Mac Brown do good. And I do want to see what this Drake May kid's going to become. And, you know, like you said, Chris, we're so much fucking closer. You know, zero weeks coming up. Mm. The Irish and Navy, they have, they released their uniforms. They're going to be playing in 
out there and across, you know, in Europe. So, you know, we have some good football coming up and, you know, and then fucking week one, we'll have our college. Luke, we're going to save it for Luke. I did the math. We're going to have Luke here to do our college predictions. You know, we'll make our final four and then our championship game. So we'll see what crazy, crazy things he says and what we all say. Who's going to be this year's TCU? Does someone have a TCU-like year? Do they jump up, you know, out of nowhere and come up? Maybe that's UCF, who's not ranked in the coaches' poll. The only team in the sack house not in the top 25 for the coaches' poll. I, I know. I was, about, I was about to just say we need to do a little roll call because, I mean, I see LSU, I see FSU, I see Texas there. I, I don't see that black and gold, though. I don't see Doc's second team. I see Tulane, though. Yeah, I don't see Doc's second team in Illinois. I my second team they Ohio State. Votes. I claimed Ohio State votes. in the last episode, so my second team's there. Chris, who's your second team? We all have them. I know Luke's a Maryland fan too. So who's your second team? If you had to pick one in college, uh, I guess. I mean, if I had to pick one in college, I'd I'll I'll go join my fucking father-in-law's side and get a little bonus point, and I'll just go Ohio State. <laughs> Make oh. him happy, you know. Then I'll back yeah, off the Ohio State bandwagon. I'll go off Illinois, Illinois got votes though, but uh, you know Illinois lost a lot of key pieces last year. Illinois lost a lot of key pieces, so it's going to be interesting to see what they can what they can keep going. I'm honestly shocked they got any votes. Well, no, no not really, because they only got like seven. They only got that's like why seven I'm votes, that, so I think it's fair. But that's why I'm shocked TCU's up there because they lost like their, they lost both their receivers, they lost their running back, they lost their quarterback. Like, I mean, that's yeah, but that's TCU still historically puts a team together. Illinois is a basketball team. They've only had a couple of successful football years in the last 20 years. And the uh, Chase Brown was a huge loss. They lost some key pieces on defense. You know, it's it's going to be a tough Illinois year. We're back. Yeah, to, jokes, we're back to nothing. Jokes aside, they only rock one team. There's teams I want to see do good. Like I want to see North Carolina, like I said, Mac Brown. I like Davo Sweeney. I like to see Clemson get back to what they used to be. Um, you know, they have the former number one quarterback. I forgot which uh, rank it was a Clemson. couple years ago. So Clemson Fuck got the number one quarterback in their class, that class coming in, being the Fuck quarterback. Him. So new offensive coordinator. All eyes are on Dabo this year as well. Um, Fuck yeah, him. boys. We're getting we're getting close, Doc. Doc, who you hate worse, Colin Coward or uh, Dabo Sweeney? Oh, Colin Coward. It's not even – Okay. I hate Ohio State more than, than Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney. I don't even hate Dabo Sweeney. He's just in my conference. Okay. That's the only reason. Uh, but, not even fuck Dabo Sweeney. Fuck Clemson. That's it. Yeah, I love Dabo. Dabo Sweeney's uh, actually Dabo Sweeney's actually a good coach. He just needs to learn how to use the transfer portal. That's his one flaw as a coach. Yeah. But boys, great episode. I mean, we we hammered some NFL, we hammered some college. So we're to that stage where we're talking NFL twice a week very shortly. We're gonna be talking college once a week. Like my fucking juices are fucking flowing, boys. Like I can feel it in my blood right now. You feel oh, it in the balls. Gets me so hyped up. Gets me so hyped up. Really makes you want to just come out here and fucking rip a, f- a rip a real dog. good fuck coward. You know, just really let a good one go. Uh, but I'm not going to yell into the mic. I'm going to save everybody ears, ears on that one. But I just want to take this opportunity, like I do weekly, and say fuck Colin Coward. You're a sack of shit. And not just that. Like wh- listening to the lines too. Like Dan Campbell. Like I fucking want to run through my wall every time I hear that man talk because mm. he gets me hyped up. He does. He wants a fucking lion on the sideline. Give that yeah, man a, a fucking lion. Yeah, fucking give him a lion. Paint that bitch blue put and that put it in a cage and let's go. No, fuck the cage. Put that shit in the opposing end zone and see how many guys run a, run a touchdown in, okay? Here give him a go. lengthy leash. Give him a lengthy leash, no cage, and see when, when they fucking come. Oh, wait, whoa, wait. You whoa. want the football? <laughs> Safety. 
No, Dan Campbell, I don't think Dan Campbell needs coffee. He doesn't need energy drinks. I think he's just naturally jacked up. I was listening to the McAfee show today, and Bobby Carpenter said that's how Dan Campbell is. Like, that motherfucker is I love it, all energy. Like, he's just inspiring. That, and that's why I think the Lions have given him that longer leash, you know, now. Because most coaches probably have been fired by now. But he's progressed, and he's showing signs, and, you know, all hype's on them. Like I said, one month away, we're going to see Dan Campbell lead the Detroit Lions into Kansas City. So we're one month away, boys. Officially, one month I think away. It, I think it just came down to to hey, look, you know, we tried it. Like fuck it, it it's let him do what he's going to do. He's either going to figure out or he's not. We tried it our way. We brought in a guy under the Belichick air. We saw how that worked out. So you know, hey, maybe maybe he knows what to do because we fucking don't. Yeah, that's what Detroit's saying. We don't know what to do, so maybe he's got it. But great episode, boys. I can't wait till for Thursday. Yep. We'll have two. Mm. We'll have two games to talk about. We'll have the Seahawks and Vikings, and then the, the Jets. Oh, I'm sorry, the Jets with the Texans and the Patriots. We'll have some football to discuss, some things we saw. So that is Chris Kameinhart. That is Nick, Nick the Doc Skirkwins. Shout out to you, Luke. Once again, we'll get you back in here around August 25th, 24th. We can't wait to get you back. I'm Mark Davis. This is All About the Boss Podcast, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Boss Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.